buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. Hey, before we start today's episode, I wanted to bring you in on the best kept secret in B2B sales. If you're serious about social selling and your only strategy is cold DMs through LinkedIn, you're missing the mark big time. Learn how a fully managed revenue generating podcast can change your life and your pipeline at salescast.co. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I'm very excited today to have Gopal Krishana on. He's a go-to-market and sales strategy enabler um, over at Winsights. He's a purpose-driven and passionate techno-commercial professional, fiercely focused on elevating sales performance, building C-suite relationships, and orchestrating cross-team collaborations. Uh, Gopal goes by Chris. So Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Colin. Uh, Thank you for uh, having me uh, with you now. Yeah, I think we connected on LinkedIn. I don't know, maybe I saw uh, some content that you had put out and really wanted to get you on the show. So I'm excited to dig in, learn a little bit more about your story. And uh, based on your experience, I know that we're going to be able to provide a ton of value for the listeners. So Chris, just take us back a little bit. Um, Give us like your professional background. Where did your sales revenue go to market story start? Sure. Um... That's a great question, uh, by the way. So I started my journey as a as a sales exec or an account exec, um, primarily in tech startups. So I made a conscious decision to uh, be part of startups, either as a co-founder or as part of the core team. The reason being, I want to accelerate my learning. I want to fail fast. I want to fail cheap. I want to fail forward, right? And more importantly, this would, this would help me accelerate my learning uh, by really, really getting onto the battlefield. And sometimes you get injured, but you leave with some, you know, battle scars and then you learn and you, you really, really grow from there. So that was a very conscious decision. And that really taught me very, very valuable lessons dealing with customers from multicultural environment, uh, dealing with customers from, you know, C-suite to the vice presidents to director to line of uh, business leaders and again internally navigating with your own organization with you know, different priorities all of these i've learned uh, i've learned over many many years in middle east to us to india to north america to uh, australia new zealand 
so fairly global and i hope uh, that's been a valuable and uh, enriching experience mm. so a couple things standing out there right is you mentioned fail fast and fail cheap yeah. uh sounds like something that is little bit a little bit can be a little bit tricky to pull off so tell me what that means let's unpack that a little bit absolutely so like i said i made conscious decisions to be part of uh, startups and also the scale ups so what it means is that in a world of startup everything is extremely fluid and dynamic you mm-hmm. think something really going to change the world and then you do a prototype and go back and test it out in the real world to realize that there are literally no takers for what you think would have changed the world right now when you come back and come back with that realization then you have to pivot to something that would really really work with the external world especially your target customers right so that is what i mean by do a pilot go back and test it in the real world you know battle proof it you win you lose come back fold those lessons and then go back as you know smarter and a better approach to what your customers might like so that's what i mean by failing fast because it, all yeah. this can happen within a matter of 10 12 weeks yeah yeah and then yeah. failing cheap is because you are building multiple prototypes and a prototype should not take more than let's say a quarter at the most and then you're also not putting lot of resources onto one big idea because you don't know whether that big idea will transform uh, anybody uh, at all so therefore you have to be agile nimble and cheap in experimenting with what works and what doesn't and then and then and then be be successful at multiple those experiments so that's what i mean by failing fast and failing cheap Yeah, yeah, no. Thanks for breaking that down. I mean, I think that it's very common that a lot of startups two things, right? One, they think they have the best idea ever, right? And spend a lot of time, money, resources in bringing that to mar- you know, getting that ready to bring to market yeah. before any feedback or any proper beta or um you know doing the 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 proper way of you know making sure that they are you know failing fast and cheap yeah um and then the second part to that is that um you know a lot of times you could have the best product like literally the best product that solves a very unique problem or is a you know first of its kind or is solving something in a better way or that's never been done before but if you don't know how to sell it you don't know how to bring it to market nobody cares absolutely yes so that's why a world of startups uh, is is never an easy journey well it's it's going to be an extremely valuable journey for sure but it's not an easy journey for sure No, no, definitely not or us uh uh many more people would be doing it, right? <laughs> Absolutely, right? That's true. Yeah. And and the thing is is if you can fail fast and cheap, like it's actually extremely valuable. Um because those are those opportunities to pivot or change or take the feedback or realize what you thought people wanted wasn't really what people wanted or sometimes sometimes it's actually what they want. 
and just the messaging is off. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, sometimes like you're just not communicating it properly yes. um, where it doesn't land, where people are not understanding it or it's not feeling relevant to them. So sometimes sometimes it could actually be the right solution. It's just the wrong messaging. Absolutely. That's where the, the marketing could play an extremely important role. And uh, the sales comes in where they can play an extremely important role in solving a particular problem or creating a particular opportunity for the customer. But often we get consumed by, you know, what technology, what functionality, and, you know, what differentiator this product can bring to the table. All of them are important. What is most important is how is it translating into solving a problem or creating an opportunity for the customer? That is where most of us as sales uh, probably are less than effective in, in messaging the value proposition or the business impact it could potentially create for the customer. So that's, that's, that's also a big, big challenge in the world of startups, I must say. Yeah, yeah. And it's tricky, right? Because if you don't have somebody who sells on the founding team, then you got to hire for that role. Yeah. Um, but if you don't know how the market's going to respond to the product... Um, there's only a handful of people that are going to, you know, be willing to, to take that role, <laughs> you know, where there's not already a proven track record, there is maybe no playbook or sales process, right? So what I have learned and what I also advocate within my uh, customer community is that leverage your network as much as you can, because yeah. there is a, there's a trust, there's a certain level of, relationship and the certain level of equity that is already created within this relationship. So leverage that equity and then let them be your uh, anchor customers. Hopefully they like what you have built and they give you a ton of feedback for probably exchanging for no commercials involved. And if they yeah. start using it and start giving you more and more feedback, that becomes a basis for you to build a truly a valuable and a relevant product to a larger set of customer base. Yeah, I love that. Leveraging your network yeah. um, is a great option because those people in your network that you already have you know, a relationship with, um, they're actually going to give you probably the most honest feedback. <laughs> they're going to tell you if it's a bad idea. Or, yeah. you know, if you're maybe not thinking about something or if there's maybe, you know, something that should be changed or done differently. So getting people who will be brutally honest with you with yes. feedback is so important because it does you a disservice if there are people that are just saying, yeah, it's great. It's great. You know, and, the, and, and there's only few people that actually are willing to give you honest feedback. They're yeah. hard to find because they don't want to hurt your feelings. They don't want to tell you that this thing that you've been putting everything into is actually maybe not that great. Yeah. 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 So absolutely. So it's extremely important to get that honest feedback. In fact, focus on criticism than appreciation because appreciation does not do any good for you. Yeah, uh, Only the criticism does. Of course, constructive criticism, right? Uh, like they say, success is a bad teacher, but failure is a great teacher. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, failure in terms of you know success and failure, failure teaches you a lot in terms of appreciation with criticism. 
criticism teaches you much more than appreciation does. So focus on yeah. uh, focus on these things. I would say. Yeah, don't tell me what you like about it. <laughs> tell yeah, me everything you, you know. don't like about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That that that's the that's the you know great part of it. And also, I always tell my customer communities that you know listen with an intent to learn and talk less because when you talk you're essentially talking what you already know right but when you listen you have a greatest opportunity to learn so why would you trade off for listening with talking right so that's something that i always uh, advocate and hopefully i also practice yeah yeah listen and i think it's hard for a lot of especially like first time founders right because they're so passionate about their product or their their business right um that they just want to talk about it all day and tell everybody about it and 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 that's a key learning there because learning how to listen more than you speak is so valuable in so many ways Um, but also, you know, listen to learn, right? So don't take the feedback personally. Yes. That's, that's huge. I mean, it's not, you know, uh, you got to create a safe place for people to give you feedback where they don't, you know, and if you take it the wrong way and, 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 and take it too personally, you know, they might be a little bit more reluctant to give you feedback next time. Um, so, you know, I think the key is like making sure you're in a good headspace to receive that feedback before seeking it uh, is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's, let's take a list a little further. Let's say you've, you know, you got a product, um, you've, you know, gotten some feedback, you're ready to go to market. Um, then what? Then I would say, since you're talking in the context of a startup, uh, you be yeah. very, very sure about who your ideal customer profile is, right? There may be there may be many, many customers or many, many segments of the customers that you would be yeah. keen to sell to. But it is extremely important to choose one segment which is going to be yeah. highly positively impacted by what you've got to sell or solve, right? Yeah. And only and yeah. only and only focus on that niche, which is which is what I call as an ideal customer profile, and then zero in on ideal customer buyer community. Usually in a B2B sales, there could be more than one ideal buyer, maybe two, three, or four. So ensure that you're focusing on ideal customer profile, which is a target account, and then map the ideal customer buyer, and then create different messaging and value proposition to each of those stakeholders, right? And then start reaching out at a scale to those individual accounts and individual buyers with a very, very personalized messaging. And, and hopefully you must be using a data, uh, an automation tool, right? With smart content and analytics to be able to reach out and then start tracking how and what your reach out is actually uh, telling you in terms of the data and the results. So that's extremely important of to use the data, data analytics, as well as the automation for a uh, a scaled-based uh, approach to your GTM. Yeah, and I think the the most important thing there is like 
a lot of startups think their their ideal customer profile is anybody who's willing to pay them. (laughs) That's as far, whoever will write us a check. Um, And I love it when, you know, uh, you talk to a startup and, you know, you ask them who their ICP is and they're like, Oh, enterprise with teams of this size, (laughs) you know, everybody wants to go after these really large targets. And in some cases it may make sense, but in most cases it does not make sense because, um, there's a lot that you learn along the way through serving, you know, SMB to mid market to then working up and everything that you learn in serving those segments prepare you to be able to serve the enterprise, but uh, it's so common that they want to go right to the top right away. And there's definitely some uh, exceptions there, but most often than not, you got to work your way up to that. Absolutely. And then how do you reach at scale, right? There are so many, there are only a limited number of that, you know, the Fortune 1000, Fortune 2000 you want to target. But when you're a no-namer, you want to be able to target at a scale to be able to find the traction, right? And once you build the traction and you have the cash flow coming in, you have more confidence, more referenceable customers to go for the you know big big end of the town kind of enterprise customers, right? Um, so otherwise, you'll be frustrated. You'll spend the same time, same money, same effort, but no results with the enterprise customers versus focusing on, let's say, SMB segment, uh, which is more likely to respond to your outreach. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about scaling. So you mentioned using automation and nailing your messaging um, and maybe having different messaging for these. So you got your ideal customer profile and then you map it to these different um, you know, buyer personas that you have, you know, um, I'm assuming here you're looking, you know, for what the pain points are, you know, who the person of influence is, um, you know, what business and pains they have, um, what you, you know, how your solution is differentiated to solve those and what sort of results you could provide. Um, and then looking at maybe some, you know, proven results from either early on current customers uh, or, you know, um, maybe, you know, positive responses from maybe your beta or whatever, depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so once you have all that information and you've really nailed your messaging for these different approaches, how do we scale? Now, if it is really resonating, let's say, with, with the set of customers that you're going after, right? So we always do with the Winside Sales Growth Platform, we do A-B testing. Although we are very confident that this will work, but we are not arrogant, right? So what we do is we leverage on the experience that we have built and create two sets of campaigns for A-B testing, okay? And then we then launch that at a scale, let's say 2,000 prospects on certain type of campaign and 2,000 prospects with a certain type of campaign and let these campaigns go together and see what the data is telling us, right? Now, when you do that at that scale, and when you track the results through the data analytics, now you know how many opens, how many forwards, how many replies, positive, negative, neutral, and where are they coming from? Are they coming from what size of a company? What industry are they coming from? What role are they coming from, right? What part of the country are they coming from? So you, all these data analytics establishes a certain pattern to where your messaging 
as a better resonance versus the other approach. Now you double down on which is giving you better resonance with the market and you do more of that and try and elevate your performance even better, right? So there is no silver bullet. You do your homework, you understand and you leverage your experience, start proofing it to the market and let the market tell you what works best and what doesn't and then and then learn and, and improve your game from there. That's, our, that's what I believe uh, is the right way to scale. Yeah, yeah. And I think the important thing is something you mentioned earlier, right, is is tracking all of this, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you, this is a testing phase. Yes. yes, you're trying to get some positive results and, and, and earn some business and close some deals. Um, but this is still a phase where you're trying to figure out what's landing, you know, who's responding, yes. um, what's working, what's not working, and really keeping track of that, making tweaks, making changes, A-B testing. Yes. Um, these are all important steps that you can't skip or else you're just playing it like a numbers game and you're destined to fail. Absolutely. I think, you know, that's such a, that's such a disservice that uh, you do to your own company and to yourself because there's a tremendous amount of data that's already available. Yeah. Mm. Um, in terms of even zeroing in on the ideal customer profile and ideal customer, ideal buyer community as well. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we do is a sales intelligence, right? In the sales intelligence, we give you so many data points to really, really Make that as an input to your go-to-market strategy. Even before you spend any dollars on executing that go-to-market strategy, we give you a ton of insights so you can actually be very smart about who you want to go after, right? And then after that, then you put together an automation data analytics to execute and then start learning from those insights with the, which your hopefully your own sales automation tool or marketing automation tool might give you, right? A combination of smart uh, data insights to narrow down your GTM focus and then applying the best practices for execution and learn from the data analytics on what it is saying. A combination of these two, uh, I would say guaranteed to, uh, for you to be successful. Of course, as long as your so-called 5P is really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So now at what point does a startup, you know, really start to scale the sales team? What have you seen? What are your recommendations? Cause this is always a big question of like, you know, do I hire, you know, let's say we have a founder that sells or we don't have a founder that sells, um, you know, hiring a sales leader, hiring, you know, an SDR, BDR team. Um, what have you seen work best um, staying in the theme of fail fast and cheap? <laughs> so I would say the core team must be uh, managed by the organization itself. But anything that you need in terms of extra bandwidth, in terms of time, in terms of people, in terms of skill set, then you could certainly look at an extended team which specializes in what you're looking for, right? So, for example, if you want to build pipeline, yeah, at scale, now you could look at two things. One, bring in a done-for-you platform, which can 
figure out many aspects of your sales prospecting and get you the qualified leads for you to qualify further and then do the selling part. So that the significant aspect of the prospecting is outsourced to a done-for-you kind of a company. Yeah, that's one way to solve this problem. The other way to solve is you can engage with a specialized agency and say, I am going to pay you a certain baseline amount to run the operation cost, but I will pay you more money for the outcomes that you create. For example, having a qualified meeting with a target account and a target buyer. So Mm. now you as an organization readily have meetings booked for you by this agency, which is getting you 30 minutes of face time with an ideal customer and ideal buyer. Now, imagine if you were to do all of that to that stage, it is going to cost you a lot more than a specialized agency doing it for you, right? So that way you can be lean, you can be agile with a core team and have this done for you automation company help you with this velocity of leads, as well as have an agency help you with booked meetings so that you are able to progress further into your sales cycle and focus more on leads and conversions and the deals rather than prospecting as a heavy lifting aspect of it. Yeah. Well, it's a great, it's a great point because there's even still a lot of learning that needs to be in your sales process of once you actually get a meeting, closing deals and such, right? Absolutely. So hiring people internally is expensive, takes a lot of time. And if you haven't even figured out that piece of the equation, it's, expensive for you as an organization. Um, but it's also a disservice to bringing people into the team too early before you're ready. Um, because they're not going to be successful, right. Until you have a proven track record and have some things figured out. Um, but I love how you mentioned, you know, finding an outsourced agency that's, you know, there's a base amount and then there's also some additional upside for them, um, which is, you know, incentive for them to perform, Um, But there's so many of these agencies, right? I mean, there's so many. um, What are some good ideas or suggestions of how to find the right agency that you know can perform for you? Right. I mean, that that is a homework that you as a a sweet sweet or a founder or a co-founder of an organization must do. The best way to do is get some references from your network who have already gone down that path and have earned some success down that path. That is the best way to also go out there and try yourself, right? That's, that, I would say, is mm-hmm. the first and foremost a thing that you need to look at. The other way to look at is look at a platform like LinkedIn and look for certain thought leaders, right, who are really, really... Uh, they know what they're talking about and they're demonstrating their thought leadership to very, very valuable content and the insights. Now, you directly reach out to them and ask for help. It is highly likely that people who are experts or thought leaders in that field are very well connected themselves and they'll be able to help you as well. So I would say these are the two most proven and the safest ways to uh, onboard a new vendor who will hopefully deliver results for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome. Chris, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciated. Tons and tons of value in this episode. So really appreciate it. Where's the best place for folks to get in touch with you, connect with you um, if they wanted to do so? I'm available on LinkedIn. So Gopalakrishna and Chris, you can say, I'm always available on LinkedIn. You can connect with me. You can shoot some questions. More than happy to help. It does not have to be commercial. It can be even a pure uh, non-commercial help as well. I'm always happy to help. Other than that, I'm available on email, which is chris, K-R-I-S, at winsights.co. I'm always available on email as well. Great. We'll drop that in the show notes for everybody. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And then as always, we're listening for your feedback. You can go over to salestransformation.fm, drop us a voice DM, and we will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.